0: Dennis, welcome along, and uh, we're talking about herbs Mm. and simple preparations, herbal teas. So we've talked about herbal teas for treating urinary tract conditions, and you want to discuss some other common conditions. I do indeed,
1: very important things.
0: We'll do that, but first of all, you want to look at some food news and feedback from a listener, which is almost food news. (laughs)
1: Well, it's very interesting. Um, what I want to do is look at the way in which attitudes towards certain foods have changed dramatically, particularly in reference to, say, the egg.
0: To and new RFM's health naturally. Uh, we are taking your calls and Dennis has rung in. Dennis, uh, you have heard that we're talking about dry eyes and that interests you, yes?
2: Yes, that's correct. Yeah. I, got, I got severe glaucoma mm-hmm. and... I've got. I've had about thirty operations on the so far with drains and all the rest of stuff, mm, and the stuff to the coma. Yes. and I'm and I'm, un, I'm under Doctor Manning in Newcastle Hospital. Yes, yes. and I, he's he's got me on polygel, yeah. Yeah. and just for me dry eyes, and yeah. I take and I use a Zaga. Yes, in one eye, mm. I'm just wondering if there's anything else that I could. Uh, Possibly okay. use or something with, or if you recommend
1: something. Look, what I've done over the years as a as a general approach, uh, Dennis, for dry eye conditions, is to um, talk about the possibility of using uh, fish oil or flaxseed oil as an oral supplement.
2: Right.
1: Now, um, those things are, are harmless if they're used yep. correctly and they come in encapsulated form. And whilst it might sound rather novel and quaint, feedback over the years uh, from many, many patients has been that a perseverance in using those supplements as oral medications has improved their condition. And it's quite interesting, it's quite interesting in as much that my daughter the other day was going through uh, emails from listeners. And one of, the, one of the emails was from a gentleman who had a dry eye condition. Now let me point out that dry eyes can be associated with various conditions and therefore what I'm recommending here may have no bearing on your situation at all, but uh, there are many patients who have dry eyes um, and they have benefited from taking uh, the fish oil or the flaxseed oil. And this gentleman said, Good morning, Dennis. You would not recall my name. Um, I had a consultation with you about 25 years ago. I now try to catch your radio program as often as I can. Recently, you had a woman with dry eyes. You recommended fish oil and flaxseed oil capsules in high doses. I too had dry eyes and followed your advice. I am pleased to say that after taking fish oil at a high dose, Every morning for about six weeks, the dryness is gone and I no longer need to take drops to keep the eyes uh, free of dryness. Very much appreciated. Thank you. Now, this gentleman um, may have had the condition arising from factors other than yours. And so I can give no guarantees that his experience Mm. will do you any good at all. I would think, however, that using uh, fish oil in particular, um, and I would be recommending something like a thousand milligrams of fish oil at least a day if you 're going yep. to go down this pathway. Fish oil's yep. these days very inexpensive and and very safe, particularly at that level of dosage um, i can't guarantee anything but that gentleman's uh, confident use of the fish oil has been validated over and over again in my thirty years of radio programs. I have had feedback from numerous people, listeners, that have said their dry eye condition has been resolved or improved as a result of a chronic or a long-term perseverance in the taking of a significant dose particularly of fish oil on a daily basis. I would throw that in as something that may or may not be useful for you. You can run it past. I suggest you do that. Uh, properly, it would be the ethical thing to do, to pass that information or your interest in doing that onto your medical managers. I couldn't see any reason why they would object to it. You might get a benefit from it. Okay.
2: That sounds all
1: right, that sounds like a good idea. Well, <laughs> run, it, r- run it past your medical managers. Uh, yeah. It's unlikely that fish oil in that dosage would uh, interact with any medication that you might be on. It's an oral supplement. It has values also, by the way, in in addressing cholesterol problems. It has uh, values as far as uh, general health is concerned. Arthritic and rheumatic conditions also benefit to some degree from the long-term usage of fish oils. So there could be a win-win situation there for you.
0: Health naturally. And uh, Dennis, excellent news we're talking about. (laughs) Just in time for Easter...
1: (laughs) Excellent. E-double-G-C-E-double-L-E-N-T. Excellent news. Look, my daughter Rachel periodically uh, goes through my correspondence, not always with my knowledge, and uh, she goes through some of the uh, cuttings from newspapers, etc., that I collect along the way, particularly pertaining to to health factors. And the other day she presented me with, uh, how can you call it, a cutout from um, an Australian newspaper last year, which spoke about an alteration in attitude uh, by the Australian Heart Foundation towards eggs and the eating of eggs and how that now um, there is virtually no restriction on how many eggs one can one can eat and that's a total reversal of the way in which uh, years ago we were all encouraged uh, to be very very conservative on our eating of eggs because they were considered to be associated with cholesterol elevation. Uh, remember that uh, many listeners would remember how we were told by, by health experts that uh, eggs and cheese and butter and milk and yogurt, all these things uh, contained uh, fatty substances, cholesterol precursors, which, um, which could complicate our cholesterol levels. And the impact on, on, on industry at that stage, I would consider, would be very, very uh, significant. And many people uh, stopped drinking perfectly good milk and moved to synthetic substances, as I refer to them, and stopped eating eggs. Uh, now, we've been told by the, the authoritative organisation in Australia that, that looks at diet and looks at nutrition, that it, the attitude has been uh, totally reversed that the eating of eggs by anyone is unrestricted except except in very, very rare situations. So um, what I guess I'm saying here is how things change. We must always be very, very skeptical of certain advice that is given by so-called health authorities because that certain advice in my experience over the years (laughs) can change and here we have um, the situation where many people's favorite breakfast uh, eggs and omelets can now be brought back with gusto and eaten with uh, foundation support as as good tucker we always knew it we always knew that but it's good to see that eggs have been given the tick and that they're not related uh, significantly to cholesterol elevation, very very good uh, article. So get out there, listeners. Get out, support the egg industry. Get back into your eggs. Cheap protein, first class protein. At a time when meats become meats becoming very expensive, start to eat a few eggs a day. You get a lot lot of protein from a couple of eggs.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, wonderful. There used to be a very good dietary measure too. They'd say hard boiled eggs will lose the kilos. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I think that one's gone by the board now. Oh, though. there could be a bit of a truth
1: in that. Yeah, there <laughs> yeah, could be. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, back to dry eyes, uh, Dennis, and Paul from Hamilton yeah. South has a remedy. So what's your remedy, Paul?
2: Hello, Dennis.
0: Uh, I
3: got an idea that my grandma great me. my great-grandma, at 102 years old she was, yes. she said to get a wing and rub it underneath your eyes. Ah, uh, yes. And it's a whole wise tale, but if I get a sty or anything like that or eye trouble, just to rub it underneath your eye and it helps it out.
1: Oh, well, look, who knows? I've never heard of that before, but I have regard for any of the, uh, those old uh, folk tales. So I haven't got a sty at this stage and I haven't got dry eyes, but I'll remember that little hint if and when I'm afflicted by it. Thank you very much, mate, for ringing in. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Paul. Health naturally on to a new RFM. And uh, Dennis, uh, you're wanting also to uh, talk a little bit more about silver birch. Yeah, I do,
1: I do. Look, uh, a number of people have have, uh, been into my rooms and have picked up the paper that I wrote on the willow bark tea in which the herb silver birch was also mentioned as a companion to willow bark in the management of joint and muscle pain. I have spoken about the uh, willow bark tea on the program a couple of times, mainly as an attempt to get people to see that one doesn't have to always go for the big guns to manage um, inflammatory conditions, arthritic and rheumatic conditions. My contention is that they in their milder state can very frequently and comfortably be managed by simpler and perhaps safer remedies of which willow bark, and in particular when accompanied by silver birch, has been a proven combination. Now you say proven combination. Yes, if, if my paper points out that that was a favorite combination of herbs, particularly used in Europe during the Second World War, when many drugs were not available and when many, many people had to resort to traditional remedies to try to get some uh, relief for their joint pain. And so willow bark and silver birch came into popularity. Now we've all heard of willow bark and I've mentioned it on this program, an underused simple herb, inexpensive, still capable of bringing about mild uh, improvement in, in um, arthritic conditions. Very few of us or very few listeners I suspect know much about Silver Birch. Silver Birch is a northern European tree, a beautiful tree, and it grows prolifically in forests in northern Europe. Uh, it's a, it's a, a national tree, Jane, in, in, um, in Finland and in Russia. The, the tree is, is a national emblem, very highly revered uh, in that culture, and it has formed the basis of northern European traditional medicines for hundreds if not thousands of years so birch leaves silver birch leaves contain active chemical constituents which are considered to explain the virtue of the herb in subduing inflammation particularly when combined with willow bark ah but it has other remarkable properties as well we've spoken on this program about simple remedies to help address chronic or recurring urinary tract infections. Urinary tract infections that are stubborn and and not well managed ongoingly with, with, with antibiotics, a very common condition amongst elderly people particularly, and we've spoken about herbs that can address or help manage at a domestic level, levels of urinary tract infection. My contention being that the simple use of water-based preparations with herbs can flush the urinary system uh, to use the European uh, terminology, to carry out what's called drainage therapy, which we mentioned last week, which a European, uh, is a European term. And i pointed out that many of those herbs in that form can set up a helpful, uh, useful, subduing effect on infection in the urinary system. Well, we've never mentioned silver birch. But silver birch, as any northern European person would know, or any Scandinavian person would know, is one of the favorite remedies used domestically as a tea to flush the urinary system and to keep it reasonably free of infection, much better than resorting to the antibiotics, uh, which have consequences if they're used long term. So silver birch is not only a useful companion to willow bark, but it's a brilliant remedy for flushing the urinary tract and should be seen as a cleanser of that system.
0: Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart, and we are talking to you. First of all, Louise from Cardiff. Now, Louise, uh, you've, got, uh, you've got dry eyes and you have lupus and uh, you're yeah. wondering what can be done about it, yes? Yeah, not the lupus, ah. the
3: dry eye. Right. They just constantly run. I'm forever wiping them. Mm-hmm. I buy those um, artificial tears. Yes. And they don't seem to help at all.
1: Okay. Look, Louise, again, I retreat to what I said uh, earlier when we were discussing this. But...
3: I missed it. I was okay. the child. Well,
1: um, I know this is going to sound quaint to many of my medical colleagues, but I've learned over 30 years of doing radio talkback that you can learn a lot from listeners. And many years ago, when um, listeners began to contact me and mention that they had received benefit from using oral dosages of fish oil, I couldn't resist uh, mentioning it subsequently. And the result was that many people that I had recommended the use of fish oil to for dry eye conditions eventually contacted me either via radio or or, um, by mail or email uh, saying that they had received considerable benefit uh, from the taking of fish oils in significant dosages over an extended period of time. So despite the, despite the controversy and dispute and the demand for an explanation how this might be so, all that I can say is that many people have taken on board uh, this anecdotal information and have tried it and I mentioned the case this morning of a gentleman that uh, took it on board. He took the trouble to email me. And uh, after being on the use of oral, uh, oral fish oil for a number of weeks, he claimed that he had resolved his dry eye condition. I, I won't give it a go. I, I would think. Now, there's two things you should realize, Louise, that yes. it may not work. But on the other hand, it's safe. And um, what, what we know in any system of medicine is that what frequently works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another. So um, the good thing is, as I said to the previous gentleman, fish oil uh, capsules are cheap, they're readily available, and the taking of fish oil, in my opinion, or fish oils, in my opinion, is valuable quite apart from dry eye conditions. Uh, for cholesterol, assistant, as far as levels are concerned, and and the mixture of of uh, cholesterol substances, the uh, management of, of some degree of arthritic conditions, they can all, in my opinion, uh, benefit from the taking of fish oils. But for your situation, I think you've got everything to gain, nothing to lose. But you'd have to persevere with it. You're not going to get a benefit taking it uh, for a couple of weeks or a month or something like that. I would be suggesting that if you give it a go, give it a go for about three months. That's a reasonable period of time. And a a significantly large pack of fish oil, which is not expensive, you go to your health food store or your pharmacy, pick it up, that would just about last you. And I would suggest you work around a 1,000 milligrams of fish oil. That's what this previous gentleman was working around, which is basically one capsule a day give it a go for a period of time and see how you go.
0: All the very best with mm. that, Louise. And we have Leslie who's rung in from Head and & Greeter. And you're talking about detoxing pads and whether they're effective if you put them on your feet. Is that right, Leslie? Yes, that's right.
1: Hello, Leslie. I've seen these preparations. I've never used them and I can't speak authoritatively on them. Um, uh, I haven't had too many patients that have come into my rooms that, have actually used them, so I can't even comment on on patient feedback from them. Um, if if a product has a claim on it, a claim on it, to be able to do something uh, medically or therapeutically, in the Commonwealth of Australia, that product would have to have what's called an Ost R or an Ost L number on it. If it is a therapeutic product, claiming to have a therapeutic benefit. It would have to have the nod of the Australian Therapeutic Goods Administration. If the product that you're talking about has an OST R or an OST L uh, rating on it, it would mean that the claims that are made for it may be detoxifying claims. If they are made for it, well, that has the claims have satisfied um, the Australian Therapeutic Goods Administration and uh, it's okay they're not necessarily uh, how can I call it vouching for it but they are saying that the substances in it um, have been used that they're safe and they're okay if they've if you're if I come back to the fact that if the product or the pads you're using have got that on them and they're making a therapeutic claim um, well if they're making a therapeutic claim they've got to have uh, the nod of the Therapeutic Goods Administration. If they haven't got that, um, I can't vouch for anything that they may or may not be able to do.
0: Okay. So, so basically, if they come from overseas and yeah, haven't been and, approved by—that's what I
1: was saying. Locals, that's what I was trying to yeah. get at. Without wanting to single any particular country or product out, um, products are coming into Australia and are being marketed and promoted in a particular way. Now, there may be nothing wrong with that, and I'm not opposing the use of these things, but sometimes the claims that are made for products tend to be overstated.
0: Okay. Okay. So, well, you've answered a only question, I guess. Yeah, I dare <laughs> say, <laughs> yes. Take a look at the label. It's always in the fine print, isn't it? Uh, Moving to Bill, who's rung in from Maitland, and uh, anti-inflammatories are something you um, are keen to do something with, but uh, you're wondering about herbal treatments. You've got a question there?
2: Yes.
3: um, um, uh, I know that uh, uh, anti-inflammatory
0: tablets and lotions uh, can impact on blood pressure medication, because they they fight each other, essentially as I understand it but
3: but I'm wondering whether um, logically it it appears that uh, um, herbal anti-inflammatories would do the same, do they?
1: Look I've used a lot of um, herbal anti-inflammatories and the herbal anti-inflammatories that we're permitted to use uh, and when I say permitted to use that is they can be sold or prescribed without script They have passed the monitoring of the Therapeutic Goods Administration and have been safe to be used um, in that way, that is, without a medical prescription. Now That is a a great safeguard Um, and that safeguard would, I think, tend to say that herbs that make claims for the reduction in inflammatory conditions are not significant in elevating blood pressure. Yes. Now, okay. That's good. What What I would say, however, and 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 I say this quite seriously, Bill, that blood pressure is a condition that um, needs to be respected, obviously, and f- very frequently, even the the, uh, the taking of a supplement or the or the eating of a food can significantly compromise blood pressure. For instance, we we, we purchase and we eat um, sometimes too much. Of, 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 of licorice and uh, I actually like licorice but um, licorice, um, if eaten prolifically, uh, and I'm talking about pure licorice purchased from, a, from, from anywhere, uh, pure licorice and eating regular amounts of it in significant quantities is a well-known natural food, natural medicine if you like, which has a dramatic effect in elevating blood pressure and is contraindicated in people that have blood pressure. Now that means that if you have a, a a bit of licorice you're not suddenly going to find your blood pressure go berserk. But if you're eating regularly licorice as some people do for say constipation etc. If you're regularly eating licorice in significant quantities you should at least let your doctor or your therapist know because uh, he can pick up pretty quickly any impact that that would be having on your blood pressure. What am I saying here? I'm saying that even things that uh, there are no regulations on, if they're used indiscreetly, can cause um, problems particularly as blood pressure is concerned. One of the first things, Bill, that I do with any patient that I see is ask them what medications they're on and if they're on a blood pressure medication that necessarily uh, influences what I would prescribe. Having said that, however, I can't recollect any of the anti-inflammatory herbs, the willow bark, uh, tumeric uh, and silver birch. I can't recollect any of those ever significantly elevating a patient's blood pressure. I stand contradiction, but I can't uh, recollect it. And I fall back on the, the point that these things are necessarily very safe, particularly if they are used in the context of their traditional preparations. Well, that's very helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Bill.
0: To NYFM's health naturally. Philip has rung in from Lake Munmora. Uh, your question is all about iron levels, Philip.
2: Yes, I've, uh, my, I've had, recently had a blood test done and it, it dropped down from the previous one 48 to about 27. And um, I have a difficult sleeping. Um, I have stopped eating meat so that could be part of the problem, but I just want to know if there's anything herbal um, that I can take rather than okay. tablets. So I find the
1: iron tablets burn my stomach a bit too. So. Yes. So you're obviously working with your GP on this, are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can i ask? back to and, uh, can, I, can I ask a question? Have you had any history of, of uh, bleeding, rectal bleeding or anything like that? No, nah, no, nah, none
2: at all. It's just, I think... My
1: uh, eating habits have just stopped off. Uh, I've stopped eating meat. And that. Is there any? And so you, you, you've, uh, you're putting the drop in your iron level down just to your stopping eating meat. Uh, we don't know. Uh, the GP is going to retest me
2: in okay. about three months
1: to see okay. what's happened. Okay, that's good. The reason I'm asking this question, of course, is that any sudden reduction in iron levels really needs to be medically investigated because that could indicate uh, some condition that's uh, causing the condition, bleeding, uh, etc. So you're in the right ballpark and I just mentioned that to listeners that um, anything like this necessarily uh, needs to be taken seriously and your GP is your best port of call to do that. I'm constantly confronted by people that have problems taking some of the more common forms of uh, of iron uh, inasmuch as much that many of them complain of, of constipation that accompanies yeah. the condition. Your GP would know of a product called Floridix. Your GP would know of that and uh, uh-huh. that is a liquid uh, preparation which uh, I prescribe frequently for people in your situation. Your doctor would know of it. You should discuss it with him. It's an organic vegetable preparation. Uh, with no constipation history that I'm aware of, uh, it's easily taken, and it's inexpensive. I uh, I uh, have had good results over the years with patients taking that vegetable form of uh, of iron, if you like, and have seen their iron levels improve. Mention it to your doctor so that he can script it on his uh, or put it on his records. How uh, about
2: uh, How
1: do you spell that? Uh, F-L-O-R-A-D-I-X. It's, it's readily available from pharmacies, uh, health food stores, let your doctor know. I, I've you. mentioned that particularly because I'm not aware of any other products that are uh, in liquid form, I'm not aware of it anyway, that um, yeah. th- that can do this sort of work. So yeah. I would be confident that it could do you some good. Yeah. Would
2: that be effective by sweet too, being so low to yours?
1: It would what say that again?
2: Would that affect my sleep paddy paddy?
1: Oh, I've, uh,
2: I've
1: never I've never noted to have any ramifications on sleep at all. Okay. Okay.
0: All right. Well, all the very best with that, Philip. And uh, moving to Maitland now and Pauline. Pauline, blood pressure is on your no, mind. Mu- no, no, blood sugar. sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Get it right. And bitter melon. So
3: what would you like yeah, to Dennis ask? Dennis advocates five Grams of the bitter melon, but I could only get the 500 milligram capsules. How okay. many should you take a
1: day? Well, if you're taking 500 milligram, you'd have to take. If it's pure bitter melon, you'd have to mm. be taking about ten of them. But yes, that's if, what I thought. If you're taking capsules, the yeah. it might be that the bitter melon that's in the capsule is a concentrate of bitter melon. Yes, it says concentrate. Okay, now a concentrate means that the herb, bitter melon, has been yeah. processed so that um, it, the, the concentrate of it represents, if you like, uh, a, much, a much larger amount yeah. of the herb yeah. than what is in the capsule. So yeah. if, if it is a concentrate, it's probably likely that that 500 milligrams might represent, you know, 5 I I don't know. I haven't yeah, got the product that's in right. properly. Yeah,
3: uh, Okay. So you're probably better off with the
1: powder well in my opinion wherever you can use something simple and remember bitter melon is a vegetable yeah. Un- unfortunately many australians don't know of it or don't eat it yeah. uh, which is a pity it's uh, very readily available in our supermarkets and our vegetable shops the, uh, the our ethnic populations eat a lot of it i've been yeah. taught i've been taught how to prepare it by a number of my uh, delightful indian friends but yeah. um, it's not that popular, but uh, bitter melon powder is something that uh, I developed because of the reluctance of people to eat the vegetable and the reluctance mm-hmm. of people to take concentrates. So I believe the powder of bitter melon is the best. Far better. Well, that's, I can't say far better, but because it is the food in an unprocessed way, it coincides with my views that wherever possible Use the, the the vegetable or the fruit or the herb in its simple state.
0: Oh, there you go. There's something to work on, Pauline. And Sue has rung in from the Central Coast. Uh, gut health is on your mind, Sue. Yes, yes. Um, I'm just wondering. Um, I was
3: um, have had gut problems for mm. a long time now, and I'm supposed to have an endoscope, but yes. of course. Yeah, it was last, end of last year, and it's, it's now April, so it's mm-hmm. not in a rush. So I've been trying different things. I've been using the doctor's one that is the prescribed medication. Which was? I, um, uh, Somac.
1: Somac, yes, okay. So Somac is a, a member of a number of uh, drugs that uh, reduce, if you like, I'll keep it simple, tend to reduce uh, acidity and, and reflux symptoms in particular. So you've been prescribed that because you had upper gut problems.
3: Yes, and yeah. and into my mouth, like yeah. um, my mouth is sore all the time yeah, yes. and things like that. Okay. And uh, I, but I was worried about taking them so long term. So I, I looked for a natural alternative, mm-hmm. and there was one that had a prebiotic, a probiotic, and a postbiotic in it, uh, and it, and it was supposed to use butyrate or something like that. Mm. Um, to help the gut, mm. and I was on it for two months, but it came from America, and it was yeah. so expensive. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: be, but be, I, I be ran out yesterday, mm. and last night I had massive reflux yeah. after two months of numb. Yeah.
1: Look, what what I would say in, in the uh, in the short term, um, things like um, Somac, uh, I have no no problems with uh, okay. ac- a- acute acute upper gut conditions. Uh, necessarily require the administration of those sorts of medications certainly to address um, serious problems uh, ulceration uh, serious reflux conditions Barrett's esophagus however uh, you're lined up for an endoscope Your, your doctor may or may not uh, see you needing to be on, on SOMAC indefinitely. This may be just right. something that he's uh, prescribing to get you comfortable until the investigation takes place. Yes. I, I would be suggesting, however, that if you haven't used a significant level of slippery elm, you could be missing out on on a considerable benefit. Slippery, oh, slippery elm is known for its protective effect on the gut wall and uh, there's a lot of science to support that. You'd need to be taking about a teaspoonful of the powder a couple of times a day. It's very easily taken. It tastes like malt. Now The uh, the, the other thing is this. You might have heard me talk a moment ago about licorice. Yes. Uh, Licorice, I I would suspect that you're a fairly lean lady. Yes, I am. I thought that. Uh, licorice probably will not be a, a big problem for you. You're not on blood pressure medication. No, no, no nothing. Well, licorice is, is known medically to have a remarkable effect on soothing inflammatory states of the gut. A teaspoonful of licorice, say five mils of it twice daily, licorice extract, and I emphasize licorice extract, which you'd have to purchase from a compounding pharmacist or an atropath is a very, very good way of subduing inflammation and even more serious gut conditions. So if you were to use uh, slippery elm and the use of licorice and finally um, get hold of some meadow sweet tea and drink that across the day rather than ordinary tea or coffee, you'd be doing something that I think may have an impact on your condition and may, may lessen your need for the doctor to keep you on that stronger medication. Run it past him. Oh, that's fabulous.
3: Yeah, that's, that's fabulous. Yeah. Thank you. That's fabulous. Thank you. Thanks okay. for your call, Sue,
0: yeah. and uh, how nice it is. Yes, <laughs> oh,
3: it geez. is. Yes.
0: Yeah. Now, in our last minute, are you going to divulge the recipe for bitter melon, Dennis? Uh,
1: well, it would take too long because it's a sophisticated <laughs> preparation. But what I will do, I will hunt up or get my wife to write the formula down in a legible form. We'll bring it in here and we'll put it on on the 2NUR website. How about that?
0: Well, that sounds excellent. Is that all right? Uh, The thing is, of course, when you've got a really good recipe, a really good way of having some of these simple foods that are going to be of benefit, um, it's really good to know.
1: And I prefer that. I prefer that to see people using the food.
0: Yes, the foods are great. And look, we've got got a lot
1: to learn from our ethnic uh, fellows because they've brought in, some remarkable foods with remarkable properties, and I love them.
0: Yes, so we've and had I the European, them. now the we Asian. Oh, we're, we're very mid- cosmopolitan. We are, incredibly. <laughs> so thank you, Dennis right. Stewart. That is Health Naturally for today. Catch it on podcast, and we'll be back next Friday after the midday news on your station to NURFM.